Welcome to the Cockney Guide to Enlightenment podcast with me, Stephen Rosen. This is a place where we have deep conversations and find out what really makes people tick. I've been through a very deep journey in my own life from being a a nine-year-old in the early 70s selling stolen shoes down at Brick Lane to uh, a 22-year-old standing in a hotel room surrounded by drugs and bags of money uh, with uh, war in Lebanese militia. I have seen some interesting times in life and I changed all of that round and became a very successful businessman in the city of London and found that there was something missing. So this podcast is about going deeper underneath the surface of what we might think that we need in life. There's a rich uh, quality of life that we all can tap into and sometimes we have to just dig a bit deeper. So my story was lost in the Babylon. It's actually on Amazon now. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, please uh, share it with your friends. Please subscribe or just follow. And you can connect with me at Cockney Profit on social media. Let us know what you think of it and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Cockney Guide to Enlightenment podcast with myself, Stephen Rosen. And my guest today is Marie Edmonds. Uh, Marie, I've known for quite a while, and inspirational woman who's got an incredible uh, resilience to life. And, you know, she's, at the moment, the founder of uh, Aspirations Charity in Southend. And it's just an amazing, amazing uh, transformation of life. And, you know, I'm just so pleased to have you on the podcast, Marie. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll get here in the end. Yeah, 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 we've been trying to book it in for a little while and I know that you're really busy, you know, with the with the charity and it seems to be constantly expanding and, you know, just... Uh, I, I was looking at kind of some of the stats that you put out and it, maybe you can just like introduce the charity and, and just let people know a bit about what you do. Yeah, so I run a charity um, in Southend um it kind of came you know it came off the back of my own addiction as you know so so the people we help we help different cohorts so we help vulnerable women predominantly women who are caught up in street prostitution um we it's a team effort i have to say that it's the, the vision was my idea, but it was very much team effort. I couldn't have done it on my own. Um, so we predominantly help women, as I said, caught up in street prostitution. Um, and we created and designed the first trauma-informed, gender-informed wraparound service of its kind in South End for women, just a safe place for them to go. We don't... You know, we don't try and take them anywhere they're not ready to go. They're kind of in charge of their own their own journey and their own path, and we just walk it with them. And if they want to exit, great. If they don't, then, you know, we walk with them and support them where they're at. And then the abstinence day, the abstinence-based day program, as you know, Steve, like I was in and out twelve set fellowships for years. Yeah, and I just first met. Yeah, yeah, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't grasp, like, well, I couldn't surrender, that was a fact. But that I'd, I believe I may have needed some additional support, a bit more structure. I mean, back then, I think, when I first met you, I think there was one meeting a week in Southend. Yeah, possibly, yeah. yeah. When um, I first come, I, there was one meeting a week, yeah. We're very lucky now, you know, there's, there's one every night. Um, all different fellowships. But back then, and I feel the reason it took me to get... I just needed that additional support, that structure in the day. So, again, very much team effort. Couldn't have done it on my own. Um, We created and put together the first abstinence-based recovery programme of its kind in Southend. Just a place that is solely abstinence. Um, It's a 12-week programme where we educate um, on addiction, we help them unpack some stuff in a safe environment, um, and then 
the objective is to educate and train so they can go back out into work and it's working you know we've got it's, it's, it's so valuable marie and uh, and i've been down to the program and and obviously sat in you know fortunately i was i was invited to sit in on one of your groups there and it was just so powerful and uh, i think that you know that that unpacking that you mentioned is is crucial because once people as you know uh, once people achieve abstinence then they're left to deal with you know all the stuff that really probably fueled that addiction in 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 one form or another and it's uh, so important to have a safe space a supported space to start having a look at that and start you know learning how to cope with that and manage it and, and find different methods of of uh yeah of dealing with it rather than trying to smother it and, and yeah yeah like like this morning, like as you know, like I found my children last year, and like my daughter's come with her own struggles, and she tried to get a doctor's appointment and she couldn't get one. Um, that they um, she's got a problem with her gums, and they said no, you need to go to the dentist. And she had this overwhelming anxiety, um, and she struggled to do the next thing, to, which yeah. is sort the dentist out. But, I said, I don't know where this has come from. And I said, you've just been triggered. You're, you're underlining abandonment and rejection um, trauma. It's just been triggered. Your brain has just been told they can't help you. Um, and and there, was, there was nobody teaching me that stuff. And I needed to learn about triggers and, you know, in a safe environment with, with other people but I just needed it a bit more than an hour and a half a week that I could get at the time. I advocate for 12 steps, saved my life, but I just needed some additional support, and I think some people do. I think I think they do, and I think, you know, the 12 steps is a great foundation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a great foundation for people to to begin their abstinence uh, programme, and, and, and but then it's, it's about kind of, you know, addressing all of that stuff that comes up, because... Yeah. You know, without the drugs or without the alcohol or whatever it is that people are using to mask that them symptoms uh, of life, it's just like they're raw and they're quite... I can remember my own just, you know, when I got, got clean, you know, back in 87, just I was terrified of everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd created this whole uh, coping mechanism to, to deal with life, you know, and I'd built up such a persona that, you know, I was living in, in a created reality, really, yeah. a persona that I'd made myself and... And it served me, you know, yeah. in the environment I lived in. But when I needed to change, all of a sudden, all of that stuff was killing me. And uh, to find new ways to do things is, is just so important, so valuable. And I believe that you, I mean, this, this came about from your own, just your own journey, getting into recovery and, 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 and finding that there was just places that you know the pitfalls that they, there wasn't any support for you and, and you no. just kind of like built this whole uh aspirations program the initial program for the women around that wasn't it yeah um well the first idea was the abstinence-based recovery program um but believe it or not that's the hardest thing to get funded because it's a statutory duty um so when we hit COVID, I always wanted to help the women on Ambleside. And of course, we've got Harley Space and Family Support. I like touching that bit. They need to give them a mention. It's all part of the project. But um, so, and so we went in. So I'd started fundraising. I had a couple of women on board who were helping me. And a couple of my friends had helped me um, do like pay for little bits of training. And so, so I had an idea of what I needed to do. And we went into COVID and we went into lockdown. And I think we had, like, to me, this was a lot of money. You know, I, I come, you know, I come a sex worker from Ambleside Drive. Do you know what I mean? And we had £17,000 in the back. That's a lot of money to me. Yeah. That, like, and I didn't have a penny. I had a, I, had a, I, I say I had a, a prayer, you know, I had a prayer. And that was it when I started, Steve. Not one penny. And, you know, and I didn't want to lose this money. And I thought... It's just not going to go off the ground. So we started to um, make up outreach bags and I started to go onto Ambleside Drive and I used to do it from my front room. Like I used to put all, all the stuff together, take all the donations in and they're just, it became very evident that there was an overwhelming need and a gap. I knew there was a gap because I felt it for myself in services. But um, they're just more like how many were like hidden homeless women, like, weren't being yeah. verified by the council because they weren't being seen as rough sleeping. And I think 
the, the, the proudest, I'm, I'm proud of the whole project, but what I'm really proud of is the street prostitution strategy that, you know, me and a, she, she's, she's not ward councillor anymore, but a former ward councillor really advocated for to get, in, you know, system changes. We've yeah. created system changes. That's what we've done. And, you know, it'd be, it's a legacy for me. You know, there's real change. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and I know you, the, the uh, you've worked with with that, the police commission, and and you're working with you know all all these authorities that I suppose at one point for you was just things to be avoided, and and, and you know just you know when you was out there and, and your journey. I mean, I don't want to. We've kind of just skimmed through your journey really quickly, it's but it's uh it's just inspirational that you know you come from being a, a street worker, you know, in, in the sex work, uh, working industry to, to running, <laughs> running a charity and, and you don't just come go from A to B like that. I mean, there's such a journey through that. Obviously, getting clean was part of it. But yeah. then you had to go out and you had to educate yourself on, on yeah. all of that kind of stuff. I know you've got a lot of lived experience, but... I had, I had to educate myself and I had to educate services exactly, as well. Yeah, yeah. I had... There were, you know, the, the local drug and alcohol agency does amazing work. It's harm reduction, which serves a purpose and works for some people, doesn't work for others. Same with abstinence, doesn't work for everybody. But they need, there needed to be that choice in the town, Steve. People needed a choice of not just, like, one recovery model. There needs to be more. And, you know, going into councils, and what was really daunting, going into services that I'd been a service user of, where I could really feel that information bias going on. Um, yeah. And there were, there were some days I'd come away from meetings just, I don't want to do this no more. Like, and then we'd get 10 grand in our bank account the next morning from the National Lottery as a sign. You've got to keep going. You've got yeah. to keep going. And yeah, I did. We just kept pushing. I just kept pushing and pushing. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have a real passion and, and i know you've got a tremendous amount of energy but just just to keep going against something it's like it's like climbing a mountain isn't it with you know being right at the bottom and yeah. thinking like you know this is where we want to get to and and it's a long way up and yeah there's a lot of obstacles there and i mean i i years ago i kind of wanted to set up a supported housing scheme in south end and there was nothing i think harp might have just been starting you know, quite a long time oh, ago. That was a long time ago. It was yeah. a long time ago, yeah. And and uh, and I met with the DAT, uh, the DAT, and and I spoke to them about funding, and they was you know really interested in the supported housing. But when it comes to the funding side, they was like, yeah, yeah, they was really vague, and and it, yeah. it just you know I I realised then, I mean that you know this is a whole a whole new world of just you know getting certain things that I thought would be fairly simple you know i thought i've got a great idea and i can just transform this idea but the actual practicalities of doing that is is like you know walking through molasses at some stages i suppose and it is a great idea and the, the trick i learned because like we didn't get no money from the council either to start with and i just didn't go away steve i just didn't go away from their door like i, I kept jumping up and down about fast tra fast track systems for, for the women we work with, sometimes you have to seize that moment. Um, pre-treatment groups don't work for them, where, you know, I've had to do them, where you're held on pre-treatment groups, which I understand for practicality around funding. You need to see if the person's willing, completely get it, agree with it yeah. to an extent. But the women we work with, they may be... Like, I remember being stood on the red light area at 2 o'clock in the morning in this weather... And I was a bit older now, I was in my 30s, so I probably weren't getting picked up as quick as the younger girl that's coming behind me. Um, and, like, tears streaming down my face. And, asked, like, obviously through 12-step fellowships, I knew what a higher power was. And just, if you are here, if this, this God or this higher power exists, please get me out of here. And if somebody had walked up to me in that moment, I'd have exited there and then. That moment would have needed to have been ceased there and then. And I've had interactions with women on red light areas at two o'clock in the morning who are experienced domestic violence, who have just lost their children, are absolutely beyond broken. 
please get me out of here. And there's nothing I can do. There's nowhere I can take them. So I, I, I just kept, I kept recording it. I kept recording all my findings, and I just kept going to the council with it and going to the council. And last year they said to me, okay, you need to put your money where your mouth is now. We're going to give you forty five thousand pound, fast track a woman. And we did, and she hasn't been back to the red light area since. And um, she's not using crack and heroin, that's for sure. I mean, that's uh, such a powerful, just such a powerful testament. And, and, and just to kind of bring that down to its essence, what you said, it's like there comes in this life of, of addiction and this life of, of chaos and of becoming damaged and wounded, you know, sometimes there comes a real just uh, small little window of opportunity yeah. where you're ready to step off and... and yeah, I mean, and they, they pass, and I know yes. in, my, in my life and in my, my uh, addiction, you know, the way I was living my life, you know, I had those faults, but they pass all the time. They'd just pass and I'd carry on, and, you know, it's just so powerful to, to just bring it down that, you know, if, if, if we can be there ready to support people at that point mm. in their life, so there's something in place, you know, that could be the, the, the point where their lives just change. And, I mean, obviously, it takes resources, it takes money, and... And you're fantastic at, you know, raising kind of awareness to start with about this stuff. But obviously, you know, it all takes a lot of money, doesn't it? A lot of money. On, oh, it's ridiculous, Steve. Honestly, the, um, like, our charity only functions, like, even though it's open every day, parts of it only function part-time because we can't afford to really fund it at the moment. But that's the way the funding works. It, takes your time to get the outcomes kpis it takes time to get them up so you can show to funders look this is working but it is it's a process it really is a long drawn out process and yeah. it can be quite tiring it can be quite time consuming i know and and, and and you really i mean we've had conversations where you know you've i've spoke to you because you invited me to be a patron of yeah. the charity which i i was just so pleased to to be able to try and you know get involved in, in whatever way I could and, and, and support the charity and try and put it out there. But uh, I know it's, it's, it's a real, it can really drain you, can't it? Yeah. You know, if, if you don't really, it's so important to look after yourself in this process, isn't it? Of, and of whatever you're doing, but especially, right, you know, being the founder and the person who everything kind of, at this stage, certainly everything's, kind of goes through you doesn't it at the end of the day and this is where we've kind of come to the, the last year you know with my you know with my own recovery my own I did start to neglect my recovery last year there's no doubts about it and, and I felt the impact of that and it's probably only because I have been through the work um, because I do have a higher power in my life that I managed to stay clean um, other, what I did other people wouldn't have been able to people early recovery it wouldn't have worked but um you know I got to a point last year where every person that wanted to donate wanted to meet me and I I said to Lucy our operations manager I can't keep sharing every part of me every time somebody wants to make a donation I just can't I can't do it because Saying if, Steve, God forbid, I got hit by a bus, what's going to happen to the charity? What, because they can't talk to me, they're not going to donate. Yeah. So we've really had to work out how to navigate this um, and do it in the right way. So I did, I think I spoke to you as well about it, about setting up consultancy fees yeah. and charging for the training. And we are now, we do charge for the training. Um Talks so if it's so like I get quite big organisations sometimes ask me to talk. If you want to hear, if you want to hear my talk, you need to donate to the charity now. That's that, what that, we do. Yeah, We've got I mean, to. That's, for the that's that's you know that's uh, as as the world works really, and uh, obviously I mean the 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 the, uh, the users of the charity, the people that are coming in to use the services of the charity, that's free to them at the yeah, point. Yeah, it's of all service, free. It? Everything's so free. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the important part of, of giving stuff away to the yeah. actual people. Yeah. But, you know, to give it away to professionals who want you to come and talk in their yeah. in their conferences and yeah. stuff like that. Of course, you know, you're you you're you're a valuable asset to the charity and, and it really you know, we've had this conversation yeah. but you know, it's really it, it's, it really takes it takes a process to value yeah. what you're worth in, in, in that, you know, because as I said to you, I think before, you know, the guy standing next to you might be there, you know, talking 
and he talks for 10, 15 minutes and he's getting 500 quid paid yeah, or whatever. Exactly. And for nothing. So yeah. It's, it's really, yeah, it's valuable to uh, to understand that side of it. And, and and how's it going with the development of that? Have you put a structure in place? We're, get, we're getting there. We're just trying to put... So, I've, so, as you know, I've trained the police and probation and, and I've been paid for that. But other organisations, I wanted just to go in because it's training I'm putting together. So I'll either be asked to train on adult exploitation um, Essex Recovery Foundation asked me to do some workshops on public speaking. I put and it went really well. They all go really well. So I want to. So I kind. I've always been a person that learns as she goes. Yeah. So so that's if if, if I want to learn, I just do it. I just get like I did with this charity. I just did it. Um, so I wanted to see how I went on the training and how it went, and we we got really I got really positive feedback. So I wanted the feedback before I started putting a price on it. Now we can put a price on it. Yeah, and I think it's 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 a really worthwhile uh, cost to organisations to have someone of your professional capacity, someone with your lived experience and, and knowledge of you know how to get things done. Because that's just like, you know, that's so valuable. That is really valuable. And uh, just just on, uh, you came to the book launch. We, we launched the book mm. uh, in, was it the end of November? Yeah. It was, uh, and it was part, you know, the, fun, the funding for this book, we kind of self-funded it, but the proceeds are going to Aspirations yeah. Charity. They're split yeah. between Aspirations and they're split between the Essex Wildlife Trust. So the book's called... Uh, Truth, Lies and Seagulls. And you came and just done a little introduction of the charity there. And so many people after come up to me and just went, wow, you know, people was moved. Some people was in tears even, you know. And it's just, you know, the power of that that authentic, honest voice is just so, carries so much weight with it, I think. And, you know, it's I, I can see that, you know, your value to the charity, you can't be giving a piece of yourself to everyone. You know, it's not, it's not where... Where your strength will lie eventually, it's it's really kind of you know moving it forward in 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 a more uh, uh, well I'm in a more just yeah kind of professional way I suppose because you know it's got to become to to grow any organisation to grow we yeah. have they have to kind of start getting you know certain parameters in in place and absolutely for the structure yeah, well, for, yeah for for the sustainability and longevity of the project it's so so important but it's also it was about a personal thing for me like I I just spoke to you about it as well. I couldn't negotiate prices around training. I had to ask other stuff because there was something in that transaction going on for me. Um, you know, I've sold myself very cheaply over the years because yeah. of my addiction. And, like, trying to put a price on it has been a really... On, on, on my talks and things, it's been a really painful journey. Like, for some people, they just do it. They, yeah, that, yeah. But for me, there was like there was something that I really didn't that physically turned my stomach about negotiating a price again, because that's how I used to earn my money. Well, yeah. I used to get in a car and nego negotiate the price of my freaking soul. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's been a journey. Such a yeah, such an important point, and you know, and, and it's like you're, you're talking about like the the trauma, mm -hmm. the kind of living trauma of of you know how you lived your life and and we all any most people who come come into recovery have got deep deep wounds and deep absolutely and yeah so i mean that's really interesting that that your process of, of of even that you know being something that most people in, in their in their daily lives or business yeah. would just go okay the, yeah a a uh two two and two is four you know but for you it was like the whole different uh process of, of just even you know yeah I trust, how do I start here trustees and and Lucy the operations manager again I was having to forward them emails when people were asking me how much I physically couldn't deal with it yeah. and this is over nine years clean yeah. and I didn't know that was there in me and I think this is what um, society don't kind of grasp around 
us guys in recovery, we can do work on so many different areas yeah. and there'll still be this bit that pops up that we knew nothing about. So I was like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah, and it was really challenging. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that coming. And I think that is I think that is the healing journey, isn't yeah. it? That it's it, you, it's never done in, in, in as much as you know, when you move to a different place in your life when you're growing, all of a sudden, you know, that can come back up yeah. and, 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 you, and you're in a different place to deal with it as well. You're probably much better equipped to deal with it or you're in a place where you can first start to actually think, well, you know, this is what how it's affected me and I wasn't yeah. even aware of that. No, because money defined my worth. Yeah. And, and when, we, when women do this stuff, the first thing you do when you get into a buyer's car is, I don't like calling them punters no more, I call them buyers because um, that's what they're doing, they're buying you. First thing you do, the first thing he does is try and get your price down. Right. That is the first thing he will do. Um, and I'd forgot, and I thought I'd done a lot of healing because obviously I'm going on outreach. I'm, you know, I'm talking in quite big arenas, the, uh, the King's Fund up in London, talking to police, probation, talking to local authorities getting this strategy rolled out nationally. And I thought I'd done loads of healing a around this trauma. And then, boom, it just went whack again last year. Um, but thanks to the 12 steps, I was like, whoa, there's something going on here. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that foundation to have that awareness. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think healing is an ongoing journey. And, and certainly my own healings, you know, come up in different points, uh, especially the abandonment stuff. Mm. It's... Uh, as I, as I grow in life and as I kind of come into new situations or different relationships, I find, you know, that this stuff is just so deep-rooted. Yeah. You know, it's just like... And, and, and the energy of it is incredible. You know, it's really powerful stuff. And, and, and you can see how, how trauma and wounds just direct people's lives. And, and without that opportunity mm. that you spoke about early on of unpacking this gear, yeah. you know, without that opportunity to actually, like take stock and like you know let's face this gear because it's going to be painful yeah. for sure it's got to be really painful yeah. uh, but to, to actually have the courage and, and, and the uh, the resources I don't know if it's survival or, or what it is but you know just, just to find the resources to start looking at that stuff and it's not just for addicts and alcoholics for everybody you know there's a lot yeah. of traumatised people oh, absolutely. Right and, uh, and most people you know can, can try and manage around it or, or you know, it's sometimes it's normally a crisis, isn't it? When it yeah. comes to a crisis that people take stock and, and, and there's all sorts of crises, you know. There's all sorts of crises uh, that people uh, people are experiencing, but no, you, you wouldn't necessarily know it on the surface of their lives because no. they're just going along. But, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, trauma and, 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 uh, and healing is, is, is something I think that... You know, I, I know that you're doing a lot of work in in the in the twelve step, uh, not the twelve step, in your abstinence-based uh, program around. Yeah. That. And do you get? Are you needing to bring specialists in for this? For yeah, this type of yeah. Stuff? We 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 have um, we have a counsellor who comes in to take the process groups. Um, we've just employed two new support. Support workers, one's lived experience, one's not. Um, she has experience in counselling as well. Um, but they also have some academia behind them as well. Because what we do, like when, the, like myself as well, when we come in from the streets, um, you know, a lot, a lot of us left school, a lot of us, um, so like, our survival skills, and they need to be trained and taught from, like, the ground up again. So we just wanted some more support on the team, Um to be able to support them better and give more, more, more structure and substance to the program. So yeah, we just got a new venue, haven't we? So when we open that, we're going to be restructuring the program a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's so important because, I mean, survival skills you mentioned, and and, and 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 there's just so much energy and resources that goes in. I mean, you know, I know a lot of addicts and, and people in recovery. People like yourself actually are just so resourceful, and, and we can do incredible things when when we get the opportunity to, to you know grab that opportunity to stop and get off, and then and then learn to you know repurpose or redirect our resources. 
yeah. into different areas. And, and you know, I'm, I'm an example of that as well. You know, I kind of, you know, I just, yeah, put all my energy and effort in, into a different path in life and, and, and become very kind of, yeah, adapt and successful at, at doing things that, like yourself, I, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't even take an exam, I don't think. No, school. neither did I. No. Not one. And, and now there you are, you know, you're running a charity, the founder of a, of a successful charity, healing people, helping people's lives and... It's transitional skills, isn't it? Like, yeah. we use... I'm very honest, which I, I learnt to do in NA. Um, so that's enabled me to, like, share my story open and honestly. And I see people when when I talk. I do see the audience and, and the reactions. I'm, I'm raw and I'm real. Mm. And, like, it's not... My, even though my journey and my story is not unique, it's not. I know lots of women across this country that have very similar stories to me and have done some absolutely phenomenal things. Um, I've been inspired by quite a few of them, actually. Um, but there, there isn't much of it in Southend. There's a few of us now. There's, there's a handful of women that I know in Southend who are doing, like, working in services, um, helping people. But when I started this, there wasn't. It's... That the recovery community is really growing in Southend. Yeah. It's, I, I sat in a meeting and, at Christmas and I looked around. Don't get me wrong, I know people are off with their family and da, 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 But every single person in that room had attended or graduated from my programme. And it was like, well, if they weren't here now, if aspirations weren't here, this meeting wouldn't be open. And that's yeah. the reality because there was nobody from who hadn't been to aspirations so the yeah. recovery community is growing and and i think it's uh it's, it's testament that people are staying around yeah well. and and i mean you know obviously we're not going to mention names but i mean i've seen some people who are, uh, you know when i come to, to that first meeting who kind of like was it was in the program and now kind of at you know in the world doing working full time working full time you know having careers yeah businesses and and all sorts of you know really inspirational stuff that most most people in life would just go wow how do you do that how yeah do you, like you yeah. know how do you kind of quit what you're doing whether it's your job or whatever and just go off into that and, and put your energy and effort into that that thing and make it happen it's, yeah uh, so yeah, it's, I think it's, it goes back down to that that basic level of, of you said re-educating, sometimes retraining. Yeah. And and the big part of that I think is as well being prepared to step off and let go. Yeah. Of, of whatever it is, you know, whether it's your job, whether it's a relationship that's not yeah. working, whatever it is that's not kind of working in your life, you know, to move forward, you have to kind of be prepared to surrender and let go of that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And and I've learnt this a lot in, in the process of so if something isn't working, don't keep pushing it. It's like, it's like like when we say if something's not broken, don't try and fix it. Well if something's not working, don't keep trying to make it happen. Let go, do you know what I mean? And there's been, you know, the family support, I wanted that as a drop in service, but it became very clear that family members struggle to get to group meetings because their partner or their child's addiction is controlling them. So it didn't quite pan out as I wanted to it in, in my vision, but what it, what it turned into is that we now support family members who are living in poverty, either to addiction or... or, or at the moment, I think there's a lot of people living in poverty because of the cost of living crisis. So we support them with Christmas presents or food parcels. So I didn't keep pushing it. It wasn't working. OK, what can we do now? What can we do differently? And that's kind of how that evolved, and that works really well. So so is that... Uh, have they got, like, a, a drop-in, or did that just not... No, work? we support just, them remotely. Yeah. It, they just couldn't get in. They so, it, yeah, yeah, no, we'd turn up, and people are so controlled by the family member's addiction, they could just never get there. So I didn't keep pushing it. And, and if I get someone reach out to the website for that service, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I just support them remotely. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it's like addictions becomes a family illness. Yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah, yeah I've learned yeah. that since finding the kids. Yeah, yeah. I, I said to you, I, I, I went and done a, done a, a, a talk in, in a, a group, uh, Al-Anon, actually, which is for families of alcoholics, uh, the other day and, and found it a really powerful meeting and 
people in there working on their own stuff. Yeah. And, you know, realising that, you know, that that association or, or, or that connection to, to the person who was actually in, in active addiction or alcoholism had created their own problems and, and you know, for them and, and the way that they lived their life and they'd been drawn into uh, the behaviours and, yeah. and sometimes just, you know, just... Uh, this is what I started doing with, with my daughter when, as you know, she's got a drink problem and she'd asked me for money and my guilt this was at the beginning, my, my guilt and my shame would give her that money. And it didn't happen for long. The boundaries went in about six months later, but six months too long, if you ask me. Um, yeah. um, so she doesn't ask me for money no more. And if she has had a drink, I won't talk to her in the evenings on the phone because just the sound of her voice. So she sounds like my mum because my mum's an alcoholic. And when she... And, and she... I'll ring her and her head will convince her I won't know. And every time I'll say, you've had a drink. No, I haven't. And then she, I'll put, yeah, I have, Mum, I'm really sorry. So I've just learnt how to create safety for both of us. Because I, I have got all the... Don't, I'm not saying I haven't got compassion for my daughter, but I've got so much compassion and empathy and patience and tolerance when it comes to the women we work with. But when it's your own child... And you know you have a part of those seeds that were planted yeah. in her. It's a whole other level, whole other level, Steve, of, yeah, pain for her yeah. as well. Most importantly, her. But learning to navigate that relationship. And as I keep the boundaries in place, our relationship is getting better. But it's for me. I've got the 12-step programme. She doesn't. So it's for me. And... I don't just place the boundaries, I place them and explain why yeah. and the reason they're being placed. I don't just place it. Yeah, and it takes a lot of work to, to even get to the point where you, you, know, you realise that you've got to put those boundaries in place, as you say, for both of your sakes and, oh. and, and not to enable uh, yeah. you know, someone else's uh, addiction or alcoholism or whatever it is. You know, gambling yeah. could be anything. You know. Well, it took, it took to get to a place where we got into an argument before Christmas. You know, and I'm coming up 10 years clean, Steve, and I'm getting into the ring with my daughter that's drunk at nearly 10 years clean. And I come off that fact, like, literally, I sounded like I used to in my addiction. I had a really big argument with her, and I thought, what are you doing? You know, this is the definition of insanity. You mm. are arguing with a bottle of alcohol. Mm. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And it's that surrender. It's that... And I had to surrender to her, to her alcoholism yeah. and my default. And I can tell you, I quickly finished my step seven after that. I'm reading it out next weekend. Yeah. So just, yeah. And that's what it's about. It's just about that ongoing work, isn't it? Like yeah. You, you said about the trauma thing that come up for you. Yeah. Uh, in work, you know, stuff comes up all the time, doesn't it? And, and it's not a case of like, okay, we've done that one. We've put that one to bed. It's like when you're living... Uh, and, and you're creating different patterns of, of, of how you live and yeah. making healthier, conscious choices. It's like you have to keep repeating that yeah. stuff. You have to, every time it comes up, you have to look at it again. And, yeah. You know, it becomes easier as, as you get more uh, adapt to uh, building new patterns you yeah. know, in, in, in how you live. But and, and this is why I'm so grateful for our fellowship and the 12 Steps. Because I tell her what she's going to do before she even walks around the corner. I think she thinks it's some kind of black magic or something. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, you're always right. You're like, it's not that I'm right. It's that I understand addiction and what's going on inside her. And, and you know, when you're looking with that kind of perspective, yeah. things are fairly predictable. That, yeah. You know, they're not, they're going to go one way and it's kind of on a downward slope, isn't I, it? I say it to the girls that work, the support workers who aren't lived experience, they're going to do A, B and C, Nate. Well, you don't know that, you don't know that. Wait, later I come in, yeah, they did A, B and C. Because I've done exactly the same yeah. stuff. That's the only reason I know. And it's, and it, it's so painful watching people do all the same rubbish stuff that you did and had to do and just seeing it like let's with, with some of the women it's just like watching my life play out before me yeah. it's yeah just the patterns and really sad really sad yeah yeah, yeah it is 
I know you mentioned uh, Harley's space uh, yeah. earlier on, and, and I had Tracy on the podcast, which was brilliant. But you know, what another uh, inspirational. Uh, She's an amazing woman. Yeah, woman, but an inspirational thing for the charity yeah. to, to kind of work on and, and, and pick up and get involved in. Yeah. And, uh, Maybe you want to share a little bit about that. About so we're kind of looking at a new direction for Harley Space when we move to the new venue. Um, we're not going to put anything out there yet, but I will have a chat with you after. Yeah, so we want to get it into the new venue because the new venue is bigger. It was like a drop-in, but the two guys that were leading that, and I'm so proud and of sorry, them. Sorry, Harley Space yeah. for people who, don't, who hadn't listened to the other podcasts. Yeah, for sorry. Young, younger people, isn't it? Yeah, so Harley yeah. Space. Um, so Tracy reached out to me um, via the website um, and said she had some money she wanted to donate from the bank she worked at. You don't get that very often, Steve. So my trust issues were like... Oh, this is a bit weird. So I just rang her straight away. And uh, she turns out she was actually really genuine, really authentic. And she came down, you know, and she told me about her son. Um, and as you know, you met me when I was a young person yeah. trying to get clean. So yeah. I I understand that that kind of journey of being a young person in addiction, wanting to get recovery, but just can't get it. Thankfully, I'm still here. Um, and then... Tracy walked in and one of Lottie, one of our um, day programme graduates was there and she knew Holly and her brother and I knew Lottie wanted to do something with young people. So we opened up the young person's drop in and it went well. Um, it needed a little bit more. And then so we brought Nathan in who also went through our programme um, and in that process they both got jobs, which is amazing. Um, Lottie in Young Persons and Nate in HARP in the Homeless Service, um, which is amazing. Yeah, like for, for, young, for young people to get clean is a yeah. miracle because some of them feel still like they've still got to do a bit of research. So the fact that they, you know, I think Lottie was 19, 20 when she came to us, I think she's 21 now. She's working full time in Young Persons Services in South End. Nate, um, I met Nate when he was about 18 um, and he was, you know, he, he was a care leaver and all sorts of darkness around yeah. him, you know, and his friend got murdered and I, like, I, I was delivering food to him in COVID and then he, he got clean. Um, a friend took him to a 12-step meeting in that, in that process. So I said, why don't you come and join us at Aspirations? He did, he graduated. They came back like, I offered him a little bit of self-employed work, help with the fundraising, and then he started to help out with Harley Space. And then they got jobs and it took off, which is amazing. Like, that's, yeah. they're miracles. Yeah, for sure. Absolute miracles. And, yeah, just what... That, this is the thing that blesses me the most, is watching people turn their lights around. It's like, it's so wow. rewarding, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. so rewarding. Yeah. On, 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 even on that personal level that... When you see people coming through and, and just changing and changing direction yeah. and, and actually becoming, you know, different versions of, of who, the, who their potential is to be, you know, when it's not restricted by, you know, addiction and parameters and society, when people are given an opportunity yeah. to really grow and, and go out there and bloom, it's everyone, incredible to watch. Everyone just needs people, someone to believe in them and we believe in every person that walks through that door. Yeah. I, I don't care with what armour they come in with. I don't care with what, um, you know, what survival mechanisms they've got. My walls were broken down and, like, people didn't give up on me, so we yeah. don't give up on them. It's that simple. Yeah. It's that simple. I was a nightmare. <laughs> I was an absolute nightmare when I come in. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I can remember you coming <laughs> in and out and in and yeah. out for a long, long time yeah. trying to... Just trying to look for a way out of, of your your situation. And, yeah, uh, I kept yeah. coming. I just kept coming. Yeah. Not all the time, but I kept like I just kept coming back, like we say in meetings. And yeah, eventually no, it dropped. Yeah. You know, just keep trying. Whatever. Yeah. You know, if people are listening to this and they're struggling or they're in the depths of addiction, alcoholism, or whatever. They're That's what I say with. to my daughter. Try keep again. Trying. Try again. Yeah, it's so important, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 
It's so important. So the, the, the shop's opening in April, did yeah, you Yeah, around April, yeah. So, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Have you got any, I know it's early stages, but have you got any plans to kind of any big sort of opening? Or yeah, there will like be that? a launch. There'll be a launch of the yeah. day programme and and the charity shop. Yeah, because we do need to start generating our own income now because relying on funding is difficult. So I just this is a risk, really, this new venue. Yeah, everything's a risk, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there will be a launch and an open day and stuff like that, absolutely. You know, I do a launch at any opportunity, you know, I do. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, no, yeah. Well, it's just so important to, for, yeah. you know, to get people's awareness up and to keep their awareness up because, you know, people, you know, we're out listening to stuff like this. People yeah. don't know. They see, you know, they might see a little uh, uh, news news thing every now and then and then they kind of think, oh, that's great. And some people will act there and then and get involved, won't they? But most people will just kind of go, oh, I might kind of, and, and it goes in the back burner and life takes over. And, yeah. Uh, so it's so important that, you know, you know, that you keep kind of getting that profile out there, keep sort of, you know, we've spoke recently yeah. about about the, the uh, social media stuff, yeah. about, about putting posts out and, you know, it's one so person yeah. sort of sees or acts on it or, or it's a big difference, yeah. I started the whole project up through social media. Yeah. Like the whole thing, it started with a prayer and a post on Facebook. It's so important. Even like even if someone shares it, it helps. Someone I'm likes use it. That as a it quote. helps. It started yeah. with a prayer and a post on Fa Facebook. Yes, that can be the name of my book when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. Well, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, yeah. if you ever get time, I'm sure yeah. you will eventually. But you know, God, it's, my uh, life started more than with a prayer on. Oh my God, a prayer on Facebook. Yeah. Now I've always said if I wrote a book, I'd want to do it quite humorous, and I'd call it Crackanori. Or smack an ori. I haven't made up my mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's a certain amount of humour gets you through some really oh. dark places, doesn't it? I know I've had... I've been in prison, Steve. You know I have. I wouldn't have survived prison if I didn't have my sense of humour. No. You have to have a sense of humour. You do, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I kind of wrote in my uh, in my book, which is, is Lost in the Babylon, uh, being in prison, sitting in prison, and I'd, I'd kind of, I was up on, you know, waiting for a yeah. trial... And uh, I've been actually caught, not, I've been caught trying to get drugs into the prison. Uh, they didn't get the drugs, but I, I kind of managed to swallow the drugs. And, and I was in a strip cell and uh, I had nothing, I had a mattress, there was no clothes, there was no nothing in a bucket. And I can remember sitting in that thing and, and the question come to me, is like, how did I get here? And it was like a deep, deep, how did I get here question. Yeah. Not just how did I get caught then. And, and then just humour just come up and I just started laughing at the absurdity of my situation yeah. and it kind of, you know, it, it made that, that deep question disappear, but that kind of yeah. stuff, you know, when there was nothing else, a bit of humour could get, yeah. get me through anything. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible that, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's sometimes it's a saviour, isn't it? Yeah, You just absolutely. think this is absolutely bonkers, but mm -hmm. and see the amusing side of it because there's... The rest is just horrific, isn't it? You yeah. just get absorbed in that. It's what I mean, like addicts like that do go through the system and I've been good order and discipline in high point, same thing. Getting my other half come up like under the influence of Valium, so obviously they're on him and my, my and I got caught with the parcel. Um not he didn't get caught I got they they spun my cell and I got G O A D. And that's eight weeks it's really hard. It's like you have to have a certain tenacity and resilience to get yeah. through that stuff alive. Absolutely, yeah. You know, not everyone would survive what addicts go through. And I'm not as you said, I'm not saying like other people don't survive stuff, but sometimes I see, you know, and I hear people's journeys and like at the day pro, and like some of the women, I'm like, how are you even still breathing? Yeah. Like, this is what I say, like, I believe that every addict that walks into a service should be treated with nothing but dignity and respect. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, every human being. Yeah, absolutely every, every human, human being, being, yeah. Deserves that as, as a very minimum. And, uh, and unfortunately, you know, look, from, from that point of view, people do get labelled, don't they? Yeah, they must, yeah. People. And, uh, and and then, you know, that's another kind of obstacle to get over, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're marginalised. Marginalised, yeah. absolutely. And I suppose, you know, 
conversations like this hopefully help that that you know people we're people you know and and we don't we're not defined by what we do maybe we're not defined by even what job we do you know we just and that's, that's i think what what happens is like you know uh, society looks at someone and goes oh terry's a plumber and yeah. he's he's a he's a window cleaner or she's a lawyer or you know we kind of just label people yeah. don't we and and, and you they're know, out there by choice no they're not yeah one of my favorite readings um in our literature is the one where it talks about the addict wouldn't have put their hand up at school asking what they wanted to be when they grow up no one would have ever said a drug like a drug addict you get the occasional person in meetings who ego said well i did okay that's good for you um Nobody put their hand up in school. I didn't put my hand and say, I want to be a prostitute and break my children's heart. Do you know what I mean? It's we're not doing this stuff by choice. I just, yeah, I get to hear that a lot. Oh, they choose to do it, they choose to be it. No, they don't. They're just so utterly, mentally, spiritually, physically powerless to heroin and crack cocaine that they have no other choice. It's yeah. frightening. Absolutely frightening. And I think it's becoming more more accepted as more kind of celebrities or people in in the limelight are kind of getting into recovery and and, yeah. and being open about their lives as well. Yeah. I think that's uh, you know that that kind of takes the stigma away a bit, doesn't it? Because people think, well, if they can you know if they can come out and say that they they struggled or whatever, it's really important for yeah. for celebrities to talk about their recovery. Yeah. I follow Eminem. I think he's. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. And and he talks about it very openly, and he even gets other rappers like digging him out in 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 their in their raps and that. Yeah. But you know he's still. Say so all publicity is good publicity. Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. don't. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's so important. And, and, but then there's so many just people that are not in that kind of limelight of of, of doing brilliant things and. Yeah. You know, like your story and, and, and lots of other people's stories that, that we know, you know, that come through, uh, survive addictions yeah. and survive traumas and, and go on to, you know, just lead, lead decent, healthy, productive lives. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just so valuable. So I think that, you know, I mean, Aspirations is, uh, it's always looking for support and help, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, where, where, where do uh, where uh, would people best place that? How would they do The it? website. Go through the website on Google. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting there with that. We've still got, we've got another one on our action list to get that one your friend's done signed off. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just go through the website or me on Facebook. And and your your Facebook is... Aspirations carries outreach on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And the website is called uh, www.aspirationsprogram.co.uk. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll put links. To, Thank uh, you. To that in 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 the notes of this uh, this podcast, anyway. But I think it's uh, it's just incredible that that you know, knowing you and having sort of seen you over the years. First of all, coming in and, and just being, you know, just like walking in like you've just walked out of, out of a war. Yeah, the crack and, house. And, yeah. I probably had. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah probably That's a war, yeah. Yeah. And then just uh, keep coming back and then I wouldn't see you for like, you know, maybe a year or, yeah. or whatever it was and then, then you turn up again. And then and then I remember that when you come in and you started to get it and then you had, you had to go away. Yeah. You, you kind of went, did you go down to London or...? No, I, I went off to Western Super. Western, that was right, yeah. And again, that armour that I'd put on, I just could not navigate residential treatment. I just could not do it. Um, and they got me off the alcohol and I left treatment and detoxed myself off the everything else, all the other rubbish around, like, London. Like, thank God for the London Fellowship. I was sat in three meetings a day sometimes. Just sat like I was. I would not recommend it to anyone. It weren't clever. It weren't my best move. Um, like coming off methadone and valuing meetings, um, but I knew it was possible because I'd seen other people do it, yeah. and that I'd hear other people talk about it. Um, so I knew there was hope, and and I did it. But the that, that don't get me wrong. The withdrawal was 
really difficult, but it was the easiest withdrawal I ever did. It was that, that gift of desperation yeah. that we talk about. Like, I was so desperate. I just... I was getting contracts in treatment for my... But I was angry. I was feral. I've just come from a red light area trying to get me to say grace before my dinner. Like, back then... Of course, if I sat around a table now and people did that, I would do that. But back, mm. back then, I'd just come off a red light area. That's not happening. Um, and, yeah, I was getting in arguments with other women. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was getting contacts, and I knew I sat down on the bed and I'd done enough treatment before, but I knew I wanted to get clean, and I just thought, if I stay here, they're going to kick me out and I will use. So I arranged to go to a friend's who's in recovery in London, and I just smashed out meetings until I could get into a women's dry house. Yeah. And then, because it was another point where you, you kind of disappeared, but then you turned back up again. Yeah, I came back at three years clean. Completely different uh, version of, of you. And, 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 you know, you spoke about that armour, and for people who don't understand what that is, that's all the stuff that we equip ourselves with yeah. to face life and get through the... You know the adversity that we're getting yeah. through, and uh, such a relief to take it off, though. That yeah. stuff's heavy. Yeah, <laughs> that stuff's is. heavy. It is, yeah. yeah. And I spent the first uh, seven years of my recovery living in Hoxton, uh, which is where I, I kind of lived and, and used and, and kind of done all the stuff I'd done. And when I moved down here, it was one of my early goals, really, to get my family out of, of that environment because it yeah. was. I mean, it's a gentrified environment yeah. now, but now. Back then, it was, you know, there was uh, all the people that I was involved with were still there. So, yeah. you know, it was a big goal. And, yeah. and I can remember moving down here and, and just, f it, like, kind of feeling that I, I could let go of that last little bit of armour. Yeah. That little bit that Felt I safe. still had to sort of carry, yeah. carry a certain amount of that old life with me, not in, in just, just as, a, as a, a protection, really. Yeah. And it felt like armour. And I can remember moving down here and just thinking, oh, I can let go of that bit now. Yeah. That last, that yeah. last little bit. And, and that's what it's been about unpacking, really. Yeah. It's just unpacking all of that stuff and, and much more the stuff that's underneath that as well. That's where they say, isn't it? The masks have to go. And they're, they're yeah. masks we, we put on to keep ourselves safe. And I've had to kind of navigate that being clean in my own town and how I've navigated, don't get me wrong, most of the people I used to use with are dead. Like, there's hardly anyone left. Um, but if I do see somebody that I may have had a bit of to do with, don't get me wrong, that fear goes back up in me, it's going to kick off. Of course it does. But I recognise that fear. And do you know what? All I do is I'm very kind to them, very polite to them. Um, and everybody I've met, actually, even the people out there, after my initial response of fear, and, oh, God, it's going to go off here, but where I practice the principles yeah. the programme taught me, um, I've never met anyone that isn't really happy for me and pleased that I've sorted my life out, but there's not many left, and if they are left, they're walking around in some kind of psychosis or haven't got some of their limbs through injecting or just completely broken and lost everything. It's really sad, but, yeah... Not many at all. No, there's, there's not. But it's, no. uh, I think yeah, it's a living testament of, of you coming through that kind of stuff and offering it to you know the people that are coming along. And there's lots and lots of them, isn't there? Yeah. There's, there's lots of so many of them. Yeah. So many people are getting uh, lost in, yeah. in in trying to escape there. Steve, it's a whole other level from when I was out there. We didn't have county lines when I was out there. It would be like local drug dealers funding there, the lines would go off at one do you know what I mean you'd yeah. be lucky to get on at 11 o'clock in the morning do you know what I mean or you'd go up to Limehouse or somewhere like that and uh, now it's county lines like 24 hour lines running in it is crazy out there and I see the depths of depravity and insanity they seem deeper than when I was out mm. there if that makes sense it's quite frightening I am so grateful I got out there when I did. I'd be dead. You mm. couldn't buy drugs 24 hours when I was out there. It was all, yeah. They was all just starting to creep down. It was like when I first started, you probably wouldn't be able to get on after 12. When I got clean, it was probably pushing till 3. Now it's just whenever. Yeah, so, so much going on out there. Yeah. yeah. And, and obviously the help is, 
you know, especially for young people that you know this in initiative of Harley Space and just trying mm. to get people in younger because yeah you know there is that opportunity I suppose and 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 if there is something in place for them if if people you know uh, support that and, and understand that you know it's not just about that one person it's about you know trying to help our whole society trying to absolutely, heal our whole society yeah. as well yeah and, and it takes such, such a combined effort doesn't it yeah. I mean. Obviously, people uh, are working point like yourself and, and, the, and the staff at Aspirations and, you know, all, everywhere. There's a lot of people out there doing a lot of good work, but yeah. it really takes needs... a village. takes yeah, a village to support yeah. one of these people. Yeah. That's why we say we in the 12-step fellowship. That's what I mean. A lot of setting up, up Aspirations, I learned to do it in service in our fellowship. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I learned it through that. Yeah. It teaches so, you, yeah, it? it teaches yeah. you how to relate to other people yep. and how to allow other people their, their thoughts and their feelings and, you know, but then to put those boundaries yeah. in place where they're needed. Yeah. There's so much uh, life skills that we didn't develop out there or you don't develop, yeah. you know, in, unless you start communicating and, and integrating into a, a functional, healthy society, yeah. which is what recovery is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just just to kind of end the podcast, I know you've got another uh, appointment. Uh, Facebook and a prayer. I mean, your your that's a wicked name for a book, isn't it? But <laughs> Billy Moore. What did Billy Moore call his book? The one in the uh, what was it? A prayer before dawn. Oh and yeah, yeah. Who I've went? Who went over to Thailand? Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's it. I'm going to nick yeah. the prayer bit. Yeah. A prayer but and a I Facebook. mean, how, how is uh, how is your contact with your a God of your understanding, higher power, as they say in your fellowships? I mean, how is that? I read your life. I really struggled last year with with my with my faith. I openly share my question. I don't mind. So, and I really struggled in my faith walk, um, and just the last couple of weeks. It's amazing what happens when we call a sponsor, isn't it, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> she suggested I get back into my prayer and meditation, and I have. And, you know, I'm walking everywhere instead of getting bus um, taxis. Um, I'm, like, if I walk down the seafront and the sun's shining, I take time to sit down and connect. Um, I'm praying a lot more. Um, and even my children have said, your, your mood's a bit different. Yeah. I, after last year, after finding the children watching my daughter lose her dad to cancer. Like, for 23 years, I searched for my children. Yeah. And I put a four and five-year-old in the car, and I got two adults that talked back to me, come back. Yeah. Um, and like, I found them, there was like this void in me. So even though I'd found my children, that searching had gone. And what I, sh what I should have done was turn to God with it, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. So I was just in a whole heap of pain. All that guilt, all that shame, and um, and my and the, the stupid thing is I know what to do, but we don't do till it backs us into a corner. Um, yeah, so the last few weeks I'm back in my food recovery. I'm fasting sixteen eight. I'm walking as much as I can, and I feel like really ready for this year again. Mm. Yeah, I'm all excited again, just mm. to be able to like walk about and you know have those moments with God and talk to Him throughout the day and yeah. And it's connection, isn't it? I think that's yeah, what, yeah. That's what you. It sounds like what you was describing. You've made more room to connect. Yes, yeah. Um, by getting rid of this food addiction, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All of this stuff that yeah, and I found that's. I mean, yeah, I don't really understand God, but I've got yeah. faith that there is this amazing power that I can just tap into. Absolutely. And, and it's uh, and it's available all the time. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have to go to church or anywhere like nope. that to get it, but it, it's not about that, is it? It's wherever we kind it's of find everywhere. That connection that is. Whatever your higher power is to you, that's yours and that's personal yeah. to you, and it's everywhere you go. Like, I don't talk about my faith in meetings, I don't, because I respect our traditions. Um, and if like, people ask the question, then I will, yeah. I will say, yeah, well, I'm this, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, everyone's is personal to them. and. That's important, and I don't think it should ever be taken away from anyone. What yes. their high—I think it's quite dangerous when people dismiss like other people's high powers. Yeah, once again, yeah. it gets back to that labelling yeah. people, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's not know? right. Yeah, but, which is—I uh, yeah, mean, it's all accessible to everybody. Yeah, 
It's, it's beautiful to have this conversation with you, Marie. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, thank you for the work that you're doing and you continue to do. And, and you know, I really look forward to uh, what this year is going to bring for aspirations and, and you know, for, for you and uh, and for all the people that you're you're providing support and care yeah. and love to, because that's what's in it as well. Yeah, oh, it? it's love. that's what's it. So at the heartbeat of our project is love. Safeguarding and love is in everything we do. We want to keep yeah. people safe. It's all we do. Everybody, listen to, uh, you know, listen to your heart. And if you can find some support for aspirations, please do. I mean, I know they're an incredible uh, charity. They're doing incredible work. And whatever help you can give is greatly received. So... Yeah, please look them up and uh, and connect with them in whatever way you can because it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're a village. We we're are, aren't we? Yeah. Marie, lovely to see you and thanks for coming down and, and I think, yeah, yeah, I'm just really pleased we've had this conversation. And me, it's another one off my, my to-do list. Productive <laughs> day. <laughs> the Cockney Guide yeah. to Enlightenment yeah. with uh, aspirations <laughs> and Marie Edmonds. What a great conversation. <laughs> Thanks, Lots of love, Steve. Marie. Lots Cheers. of love. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Copy Guide to Enlightenment with me, Stephen Rosen. Thanks for your time. And please don't forget to share this episode with friends. Uh, press the follow button. And you can connect with me at Copy Profit on social media. It's been great to have your company. Take care. And I look forward to you joining us for the next enlightening conversation. Cheers.